0: If you would turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. We finished up 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And today we're going to look at a passage in Luke. It's been a while since we have heard a passage from the Gospels on the life of Christ. Today we're going to see a, a short little passage where Jesus is talking and teaching and healing and doing what he does and the passage ends with thanksgiving with thankfulness thanksgiving for us was just 4 days ago and we've been thinking about what it means to be a thankful people to give thanks and that will be our subject today the passage actually says giving him thanks thanks and we want to be those who give god thanks but there is a world of difference between thankful for and thankful to. Being thankful for something is wonderful, and we're glad that there is that sort of thankfulness. But who is that thankfulness directed toward? In what direction? Who gets the credit for the thanks that is being given? One conversation that comes up often during Thanksgiving, perhaps in your home, or even around the table is, what is something that you're thankful for? You've had this conversation, and there are so many things to be thankful for. So many things to be thankful for is an expression in my life that I find myself saying on a regular basis. I am thankful, thankful for this and thankful for that, but who gets that credit? Who does that go to? There's a difference between being thankful for and being thankful to. I remember some years ago when I became the pastor here of the church, it was 2009, and reflecting back on all that had happened in my life to get me to that point, I was 29 years old at the time, and a lot had happened in my life. And I remember reflecting upon things like growth and responsibility and discipline and things like that. Leadership. You know who came to my mind was my high school basketball coach, Milton Flo. Pretty good basketball coach, excellent baseball coach. We never won much in basketball, but he won a lot in baseball, state championships in baseball. But he coached basketball too. And I remember calling him. I've done this on more than one occasion. But I remember calling him just to talk to him some 12 years later. It's just to say coach thank you so much thanks for getting on me thank you for not letting it be easy thanks for giving me confidence thanks for all the things that you taught me it's one thing to be thankful i was thinking about it here i was thinking about it here some 12 years later but it's another thing to make that call and say i'm thankful to him and for him to know that Two different things there, right? Thankful for and thankful to. Big difference there. Big difference there. If you live in somewhat of a decent society or upbringing, of course we know to be thankful for. And we reflect upon an attitude of gratitude. But do we give the credit? Do we honor back? And yet, how much of our lives we know that it is owed to God that we should be thankful to Him? This is what our passage is on today. Read with me, if you will, at Luke 17, beginning in verse 11. This is when Jesus cleanses the ten lepers. Luke 17, beginning in verse 11. Turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way your faith has made you well this is a great passage is it not this is not a parable where Jesus is simply teaching this is a true story that happened and we get to observe what is going on here in this story of Jesus's life The passage begins by saying that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. We're at chapter 17. There are only 24 chapters in Luke. Jesus dies way before that. We have here the reminder that Jesus was going to the cross. And and since it's been a long time since we've preached through Luke here, we did preach this entire book many years ago, but since it's been a long time here, I want to show you something that you will mark in your Bible and never forget. Turn to chapter 9, verse 51 Luke 9:51 This is a huge verse in the Gospel of Luke. This is a turning point. This is where you put a signpost down. You've got to know Luke 9:51 if you want to understand the Gospel of Luke. <clears throat> the whole of history, truly, is leading us to the cross of Christ where Jesus, the Son of God, would die for the sins of the world. Everything in the history of the world is about that, that Christ would die. Everything in the Bible is about that, that God would send his Son to die for the sins of the world. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, we read this. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. For him to be taken up means time for him to die. He knew he had come to die. God knew that's why he had sent his son to die. God knows that the reason why he created the world was for his son to die on the cross, to be the savior of the world. It was the plan of God from the beginning of beginnings before the foundation of the world that the Son of God would die as a sacrifice, a loving sacrifice for the sins of the world so that whoever would believe would not earn their way to God but would be forgiven of their sins and be welcomed into the family of God through the great love of God. In Luke 9.51, the Bible says, Luke writes, that it was time or the time was near for him to be taken up, to be taken up, arrested, beaten, rejected, and crucified on the cross. And since his time was near, Luke 9.51 says, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Set his face means determination, determination. It means I've got to go do what I was sent to do. I've got to complete the task. I've got to accomplish the goal. It is time for me to get to Jerusalem, for in Jerusalem, I will get to the cross. Luke 9.51 means all of that. So when you turn back to Luke 17, (coughs) and it says in verse 11, on the way to Jerusalem... It doesn't just mean he happened to be traveling. It means the cross is getting closer. It means the work of Christ is upon us. The dying for the sins of the world, the sinless human being, Jesus Christ, being sacrificed, being rejected by the world, being crucified is getting closer. He was on his way to Jerusalem for that very reason. He passed along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he's met by ten lepers. And then the story unfolds. Today's passage is about giving God thanks. And today's sermon is about giving God thanks. My first point this morning is giving God thanks starts with our need. I know this is going to challenge you. It's going to challenge you big time. But the Bible teaches us that every single one of us are a needy people. So often in in culture and in society and in our in in our environments, we we are turned off by needy people, high maintenance people, people that seem to be so needy. People can't seem to people that can't seem to get themselves together. And yet, the Bible wants us to know, instead of us looking down at people that are needy, we are to look in the mirror and see the most needy people. We are needy. This, this passage makes this very clear in regards to lepers. Leprosy is a skin disease. There's a lot of talk about whether the leprosy of the Bible is the same as leprosy today, but no matter how you spin it, we're still talking about a skin disease. Leprosy today means that it will get so bad that the, the body parts will begin to fall off. People will lose fingers or hands or legs through the, through the leprosy. But here, it was maybe not like that and maybe more of just a skin disease where uh, there would be uh, skin discoloration and skin looking like, it was not healthy, all of that meaning that you were unclean, and being unclean meaning that you could not go worship, you were not free to go into the temple in the place of worship to worship God. These people had leprosy. So obviously they had a huge need. The passage tells us nothing about how much they knew about Christ. Did they know him to be the Savior? Did they know that he's on the way to the cross? It doesn't tell us anything like that. Perhaps all they knew is that he had a reputation throughout the world at this point as being a miracle worker. If there's anybody that can make a skin disease go away, it's that guy, Jesus of Nazareth, the, the carpenter that walked around and treats everybody well. He can do this. And they had caught word that he was coming through or passing by. And as he entered a village, these ten lepers stood at a distance, which they were supposed to do. I'm going to talk about this again a little bit more in a minute, but this is what they were supposed to do. They were not allowed to be around people. It's it's like a contagious disease. They had to keep their distance and stay away. They were not supposed to be around anybody, but what often happens is misery loves company, as you often hear, and so they would link up, and they would support each other, and here we have these nine seem to be Jews And this one is not a Jew, is a Samaritan here. Jesus calls him a foreigner or literally from another nation. And they have linked up together. They found a common interest or a common bond in the fact that, hey, we all have leprosy. Let's help each other out. And it is out of that, their need, that we get thanks. They stand there together and they lift up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. They knew they needed mercy. They knew they needed help. They knew that they could not fix themselves. There was no program that they could go to, no uh, essential oils or high-quality lotion that was going to fix things. They needed God. They needed mercy from God. And so we don't know how much they knew, but they knew something enough to say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I know there's a lot of talk these days about praying and how much you pray and what is a good prayer and, hey, I don't know how to pray and all of that. We have multiple passages in the Bible where the prayers are about that long and they are as exemplary as anything else. Do not think that how much you pray or how big you pray or how flowery you pray is where the, uh, the key ingredient it is because it isn't. Your need for God is at the very heart of prayer Their prayer or their cry to him is have mercy on us. Giving God thanks starts with our need. The way the story unfolds is because they cried, out to him, and then Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, they go and they're healed, and it is from God healing them of their leprosy that we get thanksgiving to God. Now, albeit just from one, but still thanksgiving to God. It starts with our need. We may not be here this morning with leprosy, but you need to know and recognize and humble yourselves in such a way that you would admit that you are needy before God. They are accurate in asking for mercy, and we are accurate in asking for mercy. We don't deserve things from God. He's the holy one, the big one. He's our maker. He is the one who is worthy, and we are the ones who are unworthy. This passage flows right out of that teaching. Look at the verse right above, verse 10. Luke 17.10, at the end of this little section, it says, So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. The Bible teaches us, listen to me, to find our worth in God. The Bible teaches us to find our worth in God. And when we try to separate our worth from God, we are to recognize that there is no value there. We find ourselves as unworthy when we are rejecting the God that gives us worth. Human beings and all human beings have worth because God made us and made us in his image and made us in his love and made us for himself. But we are to recognize that and find our worth in him, in that direction as our lives move toward God as they should be moving toward God it is there that we can cry out to him God I'm unworthy have mercy upon me God forgive me God receive me God help me here is their prayer giving thanks to God starts with our need And this is what the Christmas Advent season is most truly about. And one of the great gifts of the Christmas holiday season is that how many rich, good, accurate, true, biblical songs that there are. And Andrew, once again, you have done a fantastic job of leading us in song about truth from the scriptures and truth about Jesus and truth about Christmas the advent season the christmas season is about us being a needy people but because we could not save or fix or help ourselves god came to us God did not send us a, uh, a self-help manual. God did not send us uh, 10 steps to being better at life. He came to us, became one of us, lived the lives we lived, it was tempted in every way, rejected and avoided the sin and temptation all the way through, and then offered himself up as a sacrifice for us. No greater love has anybody than this, that Christ the godly would die for the ungodly. Life has a way of bringing us to a place where we recognize that we cannot do it on our own. Life will point us to needing God. And yet, recognizing that does not mean that you're Christian, does not mean that you're believing, does not mean that you're right with God. It just means that God has brought you to a further place. There were ten crying out, have mercy on us. Ten got the benefit of the goodness of God. One responds back in thanksgiving to God. One responds back with praising with a loud voice. One falls down at the feet of Jesus. All were needy, all wanted their needs fixed or helped or met, yet one responds. We must recognize that life will bring us to this point, but our response to it makes all the difference we must recognize that we need God. If we really want to be thankful to God, we must recognize that we are needy before God. The amount of pride and the amount of arrogance and the amount of of just not believing that goes into us thinking that we're not that needy is uh, wrong in the sight of God. We need him. Sometimes we recognize our needs as merely physical, like these guys here who have leprosy. They just have this horrible, nasty skin disease, and they want it fixed. Nothing wrong with that. When I am sick, I want it fixed as well. Sometimes it's physical need, but sometimes it is emotional need, and we are very familiar with that these days. Always it is spiritual need. Every human being is spiritually needy. We need forgiveness of sins. We need God to restore unto us that which we were created for. We need God to make new in us that which is now flawed because of our sinfulness. We are spiritually needy. Here, the lepers cry out to God because of their need of their skin disease. Today, the first Sunday of Advent in 2021, may you give thanks to God, beginning with how much you need Him. Not just that your home needs Him, not just that your relationships need Him, not just that your bank account needs Him, not just that your health needs Him, but that you, who you are in your mind and in your thoughts and in your heart and in your feelings and in in your life, that we need Him. Giving thanks to God begins there but secondly giving thanks to God not only starts with our need but it stems from any person this is not the biggest main point of the passage but I believe it is the second biggest point in the passage it stems from any person This passage proclaims to us in a huge way that we should not be about discrimination, that we should not be about racism, that we should not be about assuming certain things. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. In so many ways, Christianity and the the word of God and the people of God began with the Jews and Judaism and Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. But God's message of salvation goes out to the whole world and goes to all peoples. And this comes out here in the next passages, in the next verses. Look at verse 14. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now I want to stop there for just a second. If you, if you don't read the Bible or you don't study the Bible, then you, then you don't really get this. and You think this, that's, that's just what he told them to do. But in the Old Testament, specifically Leviticus 13 and 14, in Leviticus 13 and 14, we have the Bible, God's Word, teaching us how they are to deal with leprosy. And I want to show you that. So turn back. It's going to be hard for you to find it, I know. Turn to Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus is the third book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We have two entire chapters there, and it's long about how they are to deal with leprosy. Remember, this is a skin disease, this is nasty, this would mess up communities, this was very contagious, right? This would spread like crazy, and so the Bible teaches to get those people out of there, they are not able to worship God being unclean like that. There was a way, a procedure for them to go through to get cleansed, and then, here's what it says, once they have done what they're supposed to do to get cleansed, they are to go to the priest, and the priest would make the judgment call on whether they were clean or unclean. And if they were clean, then they could go into worship, right? That's what this is teaching us here in Leviticus 13 and 14. But just to show you a little bit, to give us so much context to this story in Luke 17, look at verse 45. Luke 13, 45. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip. And cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now in our highly emotionally sensitive culture that we live in, that right there sounds horrible, right? As we have said many times over the last two years with COVID, the mental, social experience that we've gone through of being quarantined and not able to go into the hospital to visit loved ones that are dying and not able to gather during the holidays has done a number on us in a, in a totally different way than just being sick has. Leprosy is really bad to have. But also being told you can't be around anybody, you need to be outside of the camp, you're dirty, and the whole time you've got to wear clothes that show that there's something wrong with you, they're torn, and you need to make sure that you're crying out, unclean, unclean, let's make sure everybody stays away from me. It worked to stop the spread of disease. It worked to make sure nobody unclean went into the temple to worship God. But what Luke 17 is going to show us is that Christ is for anybody. Christ is for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter how sick you are. It doesn't matter what sickness you have. It doesn't matter if you are being forced to be around people or being forced to not be around people. Christ is for you. Look what happens. He says, go and show yourselves to the priest because that's what the Old Testament said to do. Let the priest judge whether you are fit for worship. As they, were, as they went, they were cleansed. They weren't cleansed by the priest. They weren't cleansed because Jesus had a special medicine. They weren't cleansed because Jesus touched them. They were cleansed because God was pleased to cleanse them. Does everybody understand that? As they went, they were cleansed. Then, verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, so he's walking with leprosy to the priest with all ten of them, and all of a sudden he's like, it's gone. How'd that happen? Who did that? Who can I say thank you to? Who could I praise right now that this horrible thing that's got me living outside the camp, that's got me screaming out, I'm unclean, here's the sign of me of how much nobody wants to be around me, it's all gone. I'm better. I can run home to Thanksgiving dinner. I can go hug my mom. I can go be with my kids. I can go do anything that I want to do. How did this happen? And he's aware that the Son of God Jesus Christ, the Lord of all creation, the one who is worthy of everything, did that. Jesus did it. And so, when he saw that he was healed, look at all these things he did. He turned back. Now, it doesn't say if he's like, guys, we can't just take the blessing. Y'all gonna come with me? It doesn't say they had that conversation. He could have just done, and just took off sprinting. Now, remember He's the only one there that wasn't a Jew. So there there were some tensions. There were some disconnects. Those guys are hurrying on to the priest. They're more committed to the system than they are to the Savior. And that's a sermon in and of itself, is it not? He turned back, verse 15, praising God with a loud voice. Can you imagine This brother is running and sprinting and hopping and skipping and singing and rejoicing. His hands are in the air. His voice is loud. Everybody's going, who's that looney tune sprinting down Fairdale Road to get back to where he came from? Who is that person that is so happy and excited and rejoicing? Who's that singing God's praises? Who is that guy? And when he gets there, verse 16 says, he fell on his face. What a nice place to be. At Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And the Bible makes clear in the very next sentence. Seems almost out of place there, but Luke has a message for us. Now, he was a Samaritan. That guy was a Samaritan. That guy was not growing up religious. That guy did not grow up memorizing Bible verses That guy's not from the Jewish line. So Jesus responds in verse 17, although you know he was thrilled that that guy was there, but Jesus asked the questions that I think any reasonable person would ask. Hey, weren't there 10? Weren't there 10 people cleansed? Where are the other nine? What's going on here? Verse 18, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? There's a message for us there. Out of ten people there that would worship Christ and truly from the bottom of their heart be thankful to God, it was the one that perhaps many would say is least expected. It's the one from another nation. It's the one that was not a Jew. It's the Samaritan But oh, he is truly, genuinely, sincerely focused on God. He didn't just take the healing. He took the healing. He turned back. He praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, and he said, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for doing this to me, for healing me. Thank you. Giving God thanks stems from any person and we the needy people here today must learn from this Samaritan what it means to be thankful and where it comes from. Leprosy, yes, yet thankful to God. Living life as an outcast due to the disease, to the disease, yet thankful to God. A foreigner, not a Jew, yet thankful to God. Anybody who knows the love of God for them and that Christ died on the cross for them and that Jesus lives now in victory and power over the whole world, anybody that knows that and has turned to God for the forgiveness of sins can give God thanks and be thankful to God. Another aspect of this passage right here is that the lack of thankfulness that we see from the other nine, this also seems to be a sermon in and of itself. Now surely, okay, I talked about the difference of being thankful for and the difference of being thankful to. And surely these other nine, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They weren't the worst guys in town, right? They were a grateful people. They were nice. I'm sure they were happier that day. And we can give them the benefit of the doubt that they were thankful for the healing. Don't you think so? I think so. Surely we can say they were glad to not have leprosy anymore. I bet they were, as they recognized I bet they were high-fiving each other and hugging and calling their wives and saying, it's gone, babe, it's gone. And when I get home, I'm going to hug you and the kids. It's gone. I'm just so thankful to not have to deal with that anymore. It burned and it itched and my skin tore apart. I'm just so thankful I don't have to deal with that anymore. I'm so thankful I can get back to my regular life now. I'm just so thankful that that's not going to be an issue for me anymore. I'm just so thankful. Gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so thankful for that healing. we've heard that so many times, haven't we? Yes, we have. We're familiar with that. As if being thankful for is what Christianity really is. As if being thankful for is at the heart of a heart that is thankful. And yet this passage wants to show us, although I, I made up all of that, in in good favor. I think we can give them the benefit of the doubt that they were thankful for. But they were not thankful too. Only one was. And Jesus is taken back that only one shows up out of the ten. And we must admit that there is also in our day, and I think we can all acknowledge even in our lives, a lack of thankfulness. Listen to J.C. Ryle writing on this passage. He says, The lesson before us is humbling, heart-searching, and deeply instructive. The best of us are far too like the nine lepers. We are more ready to pray than we are to praise. We are more disposed to ask God for what we don't have than to thank Him for what we have. Murmurings and complainings and discontent abound on every side of us. Few indeed are to be found who are not continually hiding their mercies under a bushel and setting their wants and trials on a hill. These things ought not to be so. But all who know the church and the world must confess that they are true. The widespread thanklessness of Christians is the disgrace of our day. It is a plain proof of our little humility and i would add that there is a sense and i'll tread lightly but there is a sense in which we think we deserve it there is a sense in which we think we deserve it and when we think we deserve it is because we are justifying well i've just been so good and I've done so much that God owes me some things. I'm not the bad person in the world, and so God owes me this or that. The Bible would teach us to have none of that. The Bible would teach us to recognize our need before God. And in recognizing our need before God, that we would come humbly to see That God supplies all of our needs. That God loves us. That God sent his son for us. That God sees us and cares for us. That God knows us. That his eye, if on the sparrow, is so much more on us. That God knows where we are, what we're going through. He knows that we have leprosy, and he knows that we have every other thing in the world that makes us an outcast beyond leprosy. He knows when our families reject us. He knows when our society rejects us. He knows when we go home lonelier than the leprous man. Lonely, lonely, lonely. He knows. And yet he tells us that his love for us is greater than any love there is. That his love is better than life. And his love is an everlasting love that will forgive all of your sins. And welcome you in through adoption into the family of God. And we can be thankful to God. Giving thanks to God stems from any person. There were ten... And yet one turned back to say thank you. I want to ask you how good you are at saying thanks. You know, when you do something for somebody, there's a real sense of just being realistic that they should be saying thank you. And anytime somebody shows gratitude or appreciation or gives thanks, you recognize it. In our passage here, that is the obvious. Ten were helped. One turned back to say thank you. I want to ask you if you were thankful to God. Are you one of those? Are you more like the nine? Experiencing the goodness of God? His help in your life? His healing in your life? All for sure... Thankful for those gifts, but yet you've not turned back. You've not told him. You've not modeled that. You've not done what he said to do. I mean, that's the obvious here today is that they they believed so much that they obeyed him. He said, Go show yourself to the priest, and they went. Hey, we believe you so much to be the one that could heal, but they weren't healed. They believed him so much as the one that could heal them that whatever he said to do, they did it. Are we thankful to God? Are we thankful to God in Christ? Does it stem from you because of what he's done for you, because your sins are forgiven, because he's given you a church that's going to love you and point you toward this perspective? Did you come out of thanksgiving saying, I've got so much to be thankful for? And if you did, would you turn that a step further and say, I've got to give so much thanks to God for all of the gifts and goodness here. Most importantly, my life in Christ, my identity, this hope that I have that does not put us to shame because his love is inside of me. That's what Romans 5 says. That's what Matt McBroom read. And so we are thankful people. Giving thanks to God starts with our need. Giving God thanks stems from any person. And lastly, giving God thanks sticks with our faith. Once you become thankful to God, you never stop being thankful to God. And here lies the difference again between thankful for and thankful to. Once it's God that you're thankful to, you will always be thankful to God. There are people who have done some things for you in the past, and in that time you were thankful to them, but what have they done for you lately? And so you don't thank them anymore. It's just the way it goes. And we even hear people in their entitledness say, yeah, well, you used to, but you don't anymore. And yet with God, it is his mercy and grace always on us. It is his spirit who is always with us. It is his eye that is always with us. It is his promise that I will be with you always. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. That then produces in us that we are always thankful to God. Look how our passage ends. Verse 18, he says, where's everybody else? Nobody else going to return and praise God except this guy? And then verse 19, our last verse And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, if you're not careful, you're reading your Bible too fast, you think this is only about the leprosy. Ten were healed physically. One was healed spiritually. Don't miss that. Ten got the benefit of the power of Christ to heal the leprous disease. One was made well spiritually on the inside forever. His faith in Christ is what made him well. Does everybody see that Luke 17, 19 says, your faith has made you well? Everybody see that? It was him believing Christ for who Christ is and who Christ was and what Christ can do and what Christ will do and that the Christ had the power to heal him of this disease. It is his faith that has made him well and it is there that he became thankful, not only thankful that his skin was healed, but thankful to God forever and always that he knows him. Jesus confirms this that this one had faith. Jesus confirms this, that the one that came back to say thank you believed that he believed Jesus. And so for us, we are to see that this thanksgiving to God came from his faith. And once you have a true faith in God, you are to always be thankful. The Bible teaches us this time and time again, that we are to be thankful. Philippians 4.6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, listen to this, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. As we are praying to God, as we are asking him for thanks, it is from a thanksgiving heart, posture, faith. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus Christ for you. First Corinthians 15:57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thankfulness to God. The one that was healed Was thankful to God. Verse 16 says, He gave him thanks. And so it is in the life of one who believes God, who believes His Word, who believes upon Christ for the forgiveness of sins and salvation. He is thankful to God. Several years ago, we started our food pantry. We wanted to help people, we wanted to serve people. If there were needs around us, we wanted to meet those needs. And then March 2020, COVID hits, and the needs were just super highlighted. Many, many needs around us. Our food, our food pantry has tripled, nearly quadrupled in how much food we receive, how many people want food, need food, and how much food we give out. With the strong work of Tish Harden and Paul Lybrook and all of those people that work together, We have been serving a lot. Because of that, there has been a lot of recognition. The three different news stations have been here. An online newspaper has contacted us. Uh, The KBC has contacted us. There have been several, several different things where they've come here with video cameras and microphones and wanted to talk to us and interview and all of that. The one that was with an online newspaper did it over the phone. We talked to them. They asked all the normal questions, how many, what, you know, what's the cause, how do you do it, what's the attitude, where do you get the people, you know, all of that. But at the end, and this was not a Christian publication, actually a very, very worldly, liberal, secular publication, but they asked the softball question that we hope they ask at the end. But why do y'all do it? What's your motivation? I was so glad they asked that. I said, we want to say it to you like this. Jesus has done so much for us and has made such a lasting impact in our lives that we hope that he would use us to make an impact in other people's lives. A true heart of gratefulness that we could never pay him back We're not going to earn anything. We're not trying to. But he loves us. And he died for us. And he lives for us. We are forgiven of our sins. We have peace with God. We have hope in God. And we are thankful to God. And our lives now become the overflow of that. Our entire lives are to be a posture of thankfulness to God. He has done so much for us. Every once in a while in life, when you help somebody out in a grand way, they will say, thank you, I don't know how to repay you. Thank you, I can never repay you. That may or may not be true in our lives. But with our good God and Father in heaven and his Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't have to repay him. He's not asking us to repay him. He's wanting us to be thankful to him. As this day starts, the real Christmas holiday Advent season. May you humble yourself before him and be thankful to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We give thanks to you for Jesus. And we thank you, God, for this one leper, this one sick guy who preaches a sermon to us in just his life. He recognized it. He turned back. He ran. He gave praise to God in a loud voice. He fell down at the feet of Jesus. He said, Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you would make us like that. May our whole lives be a posture of thankfulness to you. Oh God, make us make us aware. Help us to see it. Help us to feel it. And be grateful.